0: Across Northern Ireland, on your radio, and on BBC
1: Sounds. This is...
2: The Stephen Nolan
3: Show!
1: Show. Case for Park on our agenda again today after the new president, Jonathan Burns, told Good Morning Ulster, told Mark Simpson, on Gamoo... No more money from the GAA. That £15 million that they promised towards the rebuilding project of the GAA over a decade ago, they end up on it. They're not increasing it, despite the build costs going away up. So how much money does the GAA have? Is that relevant? Should they be paying more? Should they be paying the same they offered in real terms? Because if they don't, then they're actually offering less. If you look at the real terms uh, figure, remember rugby when they got their stadium, they didn't pay a penny. Why should the GAA be paying more? You might ask. Who is going to pay if they don't? Is that stadium going to be built in time for the, the the Euros in 2028? Lots of questions. Hugely reactive on the Nolan Show this morning. What do you enjoy.
2: The Stephen Nolan
3: Show. <laughs>
1: No more money, not a penny more for their contribution towards the build of Casement Park. This is what the new president of the GAA, Jarlith Burns, has told Good Morning Ulster this morning. Now the GAA will get all future revenue, every penny forever of future revenue for ticket sales that comes into that new stadium. Concerts, big sporting events, non-sporting events, they will get it all. But they are not prepared to meet the £15 million pounds they guaranteed 10 years ago in real terms now, given inflation. In real terms, they are reducing their contribution. But why should they pay a penny more? It's not their fault, says the President, Charlotte Burns, that this project, that this stadium has not been built yet. And they it's a straight answer from Charlotte. He's told Mark Simpson... On Good Morning Ulster this morning, that he will be recommending to the GAA that they do not pay a penny more.
4: We are not found wanting when it comes to spending our money throughout the country, but on this particular issue, for me, it is a point of principle. We we have we have pledged 15 million in the programme for government for the last 12 years. There is a very strong commitment that Jasmine Park should be delivered, and I, I I will be voting against any any plan. That the GA should give any more money for that. It is not our fault, Mark, that that the Mays Stadium was abandoned. That should have been built, and I don't think we should be penalised for that.
1: So, what do you think? Zero thirty thirty eighty fifty five fifty five UEFA uh, officials visiting Northern Ireland this week. That those those competition, the Euros twenty twenty eight. It's not that far away. This is twenty twenty four. That stadium needs to be built. Way before that. And the message to UEFA officials visiting Northern Ireland this week, will it be, here's this lovely site, by the way, we're not sure if we've got enough money to build on it. Is that the message? Are the British government who guarantee, Chris heaton harriss words, new Secretary of State, what did he say last year? He says he guarantees it with reference to the money coming from somewhere. So if he guarantees it, where is he? Do words matter? Do the GAA need to dig deep into their pockets? How deep are their pockets? How much money have they got? More to the point, what are... I said this on telly last Wednesday. I'll say it again. What are the the projections for how much money the GAA will take in the big concerts, the big games, the big sporting events, the non-sporting events? How much money... Will they actually bring in if they're not prepared to pay a penny more? What is the cost of this stadium? We still don't know. Some people speculating that it's gone way, way beyond uh, the initial figure. Zero thirty thirty eighty. 5555 is the number uh, to call the, this morning. That initial projected build, build figure of 70-odd grand, some people speculating now it could be 200-odd thousand, some speculating it could be 300-odd thousand. The uh, former D P special advisor, million I'm talking about, obviously, the former D P special advisor, David Graham, uh, with us this morning. David, good morning to you. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, good morning. The former... Uh, Antrim County GAA board member Brendan Mulgrew uh, with us today. Good morning to you, Brendan.
5: Good morning, Stephen. Good morning,
1: good morning. Are you surprised the GAA have said an emphatic no this morning?
5: Um, Is that for me, Stephen? Yes. Yes. Um, To be honest, yes, I was a little bit surprised when I heard uh, the, the new president, Jonathan Burns, being quite as decisive as emphatic as that this morning, because I think that we are in the middle of a series of ongoing conversations involving all of the relevant parties, uh, including the GAA, the Irish government, uh, our own executives and of course the British government. There is a degree of frustration which I understand uh, from, coming from Jonathan, That we still don't have any clarity we've had different messages from different wings of the UK government but at no stage yet have, has anyone said here is our contribution or here is what we will contribute to these costs so there's still some balls in the air here Stephen and I wouldn't necessarily take this morning's position even though it was quite emphatically stated as, as a bottom line uh, on the GA's uh, a contribution to the uh, to the cost of rebuilding casement uh, when we finally get what that figure's going to be. There's a lot of figures knocking about, there's a lot of people who... There are a lot of figures of ex- not knocking about though. though. Well, there are a lot of figures you know, the public
1: who are going to be funding the vast majority of this, they're not being told how much it's ultimately going to cost them. They're, 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 they're not being told what revenue the GAA are likely to get every single year uh, from this stadium. We don't know how much the GAA is worth. There, there are so many figures here that aren't being bandied about, Brendan.
5: But as, as Jonathan Burns also said this morning, Stephen, the vast, vast majority, I think he used the figure of 83%, of income that the GAA receives goes straight back into clubs into coaching, into provision of uh, other infrastructure and other facilities up and down the country uh, and in county grounds or club grounds. That's what happens to the money, which is the GA is not a private, corporate money. But if they are able to pump in,
1: and these are Jarlif Burns's words this morning, that they pump £75 million every year into those local community clubs. So if they're able to do that, if they're well able to pump 75 million every year, why can't they even meet the, the, the inflationary increase on the initial 15 million offer a decade ago? Why can't they bring well, it up I, I, in line with inflation? Can they not afford it or is it not important enough?
5: Well, uh, a week ago, Stephen, <coughs> excuse me, in fact, this day last week, you and I had a conversation uh, about all of this. And my, as I said then, and I still believe this, I think that there is an onus on the GAA centrally at Ulster Council level as well as at national level, to when the figures are known and when the British government's contribution is known and when the cost is known, I think there is a notice from the GAA to be prepared to look again at the contribution that it will make to the overall uh, development cost. I, I think, Stephen, we can't lose sight here of what is on the agenda and what is on offer here. We are talking about a stadium which will be Top of the range, world class, in our city, yes, yes, based on Gilly Games, but which will have the added bonus of attracting the Euros in twenty twenty eight, the Philip that we bring for sport. And you know, let's not lose sight of what is on the table here. We are also, as Jordan said otherwise, in a race against time. The British government needs to be quite quick about what it's going to contribute here and we and we all need to get on with what's the final cost going to be, who's going to build it, and the, we need to get it built.
1: The bottom line, David Graham, if words matter this stadium should have been built a long, long time ago. And as Jardeth Byrne says, it ain't their fault that it hasn't been. Why should it cost them more money, David?
3: Look, I think, I think there's no doubt. I mean, we talk a lot about equality in this country and there's, there's no doubt that, obviously, Ravenhill was given assistance for rugby, as was uh, Windsor Park for football. So, I mean, cer- certainly following that train, i thought the GA should be afforded the same. However, I think the challenge is that there's no point getting into whataboutery, and I'm very actually surprised that Jordan Burns has done so because some of his public commentary previously has been uh, has been oppressive and he has reached out the hand of friendship. Uh, the issue is here, Stephen, you know, for me, you'll have people in waiting lists, you'll have teachers l- 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 looking at pay parity, you'll have nurses, and they'll wonder, you know, why, why on earth should our t- taxpayers' money have to go in to assisting to build what is essentially for a private organisation. And uh, Brendan's entirely right there that I'm sure the GAA do put a lot of their money straight back into local clubs. But in reality, this is going to be a money spinner, which will be on a much greater level than what Windsor Park or Ravenhill will be when the Bruce Springsteens and the Oasis and the Rolling Stones rock into town for gigs in the summer. So certainly for me, Stephen Jordan should reflect in his words, and I think certainly this will grow this story, which has already been in the news now for at least sort of two weeks, three weeks, it'll continue to grow it.
1: All they're doing is sticking to the commitment they made 10 years ago. What's wrong with
3: that? Stephen, that's fine. There's no issue at all. But but it's an
1: important principle, is it not?
3: But then based, Stephen, on that principle, if you look at the money that was set aside for uh, local clubs um, in in terms of regional sub-stadia money, you know, go and ask Cliftonville and North Belfast, go and ask Dundella in East Belfast, Corry and Mallard. The list goes on and on of local clubs in, in local football who are crying out for new stands, safer stands, wider pitches in the, the case of Dundela, So, look, we, we all have got uh, desires for, for bigger and better things. I think that the GAA has to, ref- or Jarlis needs to reflect on his comments and consider the money that was allocated in 2011, I think. That has changed now, Stephen. We both know the cost of building has gone up uh, as of other costs.
1: I've been asking the question for a week now about what would the projected income be? Why won't they tell us uh, in terms of the authorities? They must have done a spreadsheet. Where they must have projected the income for a stadium like that, uh, but 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 surely we can do it. <laughs> so we'll ask the question uh, this week. We'll see if we can get some type of of, of expert on. So there, there, there must be even a job title for people that project income in sport based on size of stadium and size of population. It would be interesting to know. David, just how much income is going to come into the GAA given their public statement this morning that they're not prepared to pay a penny more for the build of what will be a significant revenue raiser for them?
3: Well, I think, Stephen, to add to that, an interesting question actually for the IFA as well will be if the Euros are played at Case and Park, and I think, look, even a healthy level of cynicism would suggest that... Um, no one is holding their breath for that, if we're quite honest. However, when uh, the money is divvied out by UEFA, how much are the IFA getting and how much are they then allocating to local clubs in the ground? And how much are the GAA getting from that? Because I think, you know, fundamentally, no one wants to see Northern Ireland playing in Northern Ireland in a major European competition as much as me. But we also have to we talk a lot about legacy. And I mean, for me, what we need to think about is in 5, 10, 15 years after the Euros who are benefiting and, and is anyone, who will benefit from that.
1: This morning, if you're just joining us, Jarlith Burns, who is the new president of the GAA, has told Mark Simpson on Good Morning Ulster that they will not be paying. His recommendation is that they will not be paying any more money whatsoever than the £15 million pounds that they offered 10 years ago towards the build of a stadium that it is speculated may now cost £200 million, even some speculation, it could be £300 million. Neil and Mora, Good morning, Neil. Morning, Stephen. Go evening. ahead, sir. Thanks for calling. Go ahead.
5: I, I, I was just thinking, uh, in practical terms, would, would there not be money better spent to, to bring Windsor Park up to 34000 when there's already a good stadium there make it a bit bigger? Spend some of the money on that.
0: Certainly develop Kissing Park for the Anthem GAA and, say, Say for a round figure, say spend forty million on that, and they'd still have a good stadium,
5: which would be more than big enough for Antrim County Gaelic matches. I would assume. Would that, but they going be to better spent. But the
1: but the, the, the the stadium, there's, there's a real issue here about what's going to accommodate uh, the Euros in 2028.
5: Yeah, but if, if you if you made Windsor Park bigger, bring the capacity up from the 19,000 that it is now to 34. By building a new stand,
0: surely that would cost a lot less money than two. it wouldn't accommodate the, the Euros the in 2028,
1: would it? Pardon? It wouldn't accommodate the Euros in 2028. There's massive potential arrived. for this country, for that I mean, one competition. You bring, if,
5: you, if you bring the capacity up to 34,000, then it would
1: accommodate the Euros. Is that even possibly a runner, Brendan?
5: Um. I don't think so, Stephen, because if you were to uh, re-extend uh, the capacity of Windsor Park just for the Euros, it would never be, you would never sell out a crowd of £34,500 to game. The benefit of using casement as part of the Euros bid is that the GA was always intending to build a stadium with that capacity because it will be sold out various times throughout the year for high-profile Gaelic matches. And therefore, it was an added advantage that it could take the capacity which you if required for the Euros. I don't think there's any point in building a stadium or a new stand at Windsor Park and spending millions of pounds on that for literally four or five games, which would never then be filled to that capacity. Again, Northern Ireland will not sell 34,000 tickets for an address.
1: So what a, what about the politics, dangerous. David Graham, of this? Uh, we, 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 we've got Gordon Lyons as, as the Minister. Where does the DUP, what wriggle room stroke room do you think they have? to accept a situation where more money would come from the executive and therefore be uh, unavailable elsewhere to build a GAA stadium?
3: I think, Stephen, that this is clearly one of the potential traps and pitfalls down the line for uh, Sir Geoffrey and those who were pro-deal. You're no doubt about it that if you are the likes of a Sammy Wilson or Nigel Dodds, this gives you another opportunity to potentially raise concerns about... The inequality of the distribution of funding. I mean, in reality, I, I don't think the DUP will will be in the business of, of blocking uh, allocating money to the GAA, However, where I think the real challenge for the GA or for the DUP is, when you look, as I said earlier, the local clubs in football who require assistance. Uh, a, a they got. Wide range they got assistance assistants. years ago. They got it. But Stephen, the money that was allocated, that was was being allocated, the same time as Casement Park. I think it was thirty six million. Now, by my rough maths and what I'm hearing in the ground, that that thirty six million will hardly touch the sides and certainly could be used by certainly one or two clubs that come to mind alone. So I think, you know, if if the GA are saying, Well, we're not putting any more money in, but we're expecting the British government, the Irish government and the executive to fund uh to fund our stadium then I think, you know, if I was Jared Lawler at Niffle I would be saying exactly the same thing and saying, Well look, what's good for the goose is is, is good.
1: David, I know you need to go this morning. Let me ask you about uh, another matter. You, man, you mentioned uh, Sammy Wilson. What do you make of him quitting the DUP Chief Whip uh, at Westminster? How significant is that? Is that a, a little itsy-bitsy warning to Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, or does that signify a huge row? Well,
3: look, I think Sammy is... Sammy has been elected representative longer than I have been alive. I mean, Sammy was the Lord Mayor of Belfast in about 1983 and has been, in terms of sort of pound for pound, he is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, political heavyweights uh, in, in not just the DUP, but in, in Northern Ireland politics uh, at the moment in, in general. So, look, Sammy stepping back as the Chief Whip highlights probably two things to me. One, he is not prepared to toe the party line himself. And two, he is not prepared to... Uh, discipline others for not towing the party line. So, look. Ultimately, Stephen, let's see how this grows. I you know there's three hours set aside in Westminster today, so it'll be interesting to see what's said there, there, and certainly one to keep an eye on. There's no doubt.
1: So, what are you saying? This could be the start of of, of significant dissent. Is that what you're saying? Uh,
3: no, look, look. It could be a graduated response. Of course, the the problem is that a, a drip feed is more of a challenge in many ways than 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 one uh, large large leakage. So, from that point of view. Certainly, I'm sure Sir Geoffrey and others will be keeping a close eye on it. But look, I I have no doubt that uh, the DUP have come through numerous challenges and potential splits in the past. And, you know, I I suspect that although it is significant in the short to medium term, uh, hopefully from a unionist point of view, uh, it doesn't do any long term uh, damage or cause issue.
1: And you're saying to watch those. Finally, finally, you're saying to watch those speeches uh, later today. Is, is it unlikely that Sammy Wilson is working in isolation and therefore, if you're talking about a graduated response, could it be Sammy making that uh, making that clear over the weekend? Are we watching the likes of Lord Morrow now, what he does? Are we watching the likes of Lord Dodds, what
3: he does? Well, look, that, that's, that, the peripheral of putting, of course, is needing and I think that's the, the challenge, Stephen, where already you have had numerous MPs, uh, peers. I think there are some MP, MLAs as well who clearly are disgruntled but maybe just aren't going to be as overt in their dissent but uh, no you're right I mean, was it last week, the week before that? the newsletter, the three you've mentioned, uh, Sammy Nigel and Morrisall had a a joint article side by side with with Gavin Robinson Well they did have a
1: a joint article and what happened there was a wee bit of a puff, poof, whatever you want to call it and and the news agenda moved on, didn't challenge Sir Geoffrey's authority, didn't challenge Sir Geoffrey's leadership does it, poof, puff, whatever it is and everybody moved on
3: I don't. Uh, I certainly don't see this as a challenge to Sir Geoffrey's leadership, Stephen. Uh, not, not at all. Um, but, you know, look, like in any party, there always will be people who are not entirely happy with uh, various matters and policy, and it's just how you handle that uh, on the ground. OK. David, thank you very much
1: indeed. Brendan, stay Cheers. with us this, this morning. Hazel's in Belfast. Morning, Hazel. Good morning. Back to Casement Park. Go ahead, Hazel. Yes,
6: that's right. I've worked in the area, I know where we're talking about here, although I'm not living there at present. Oh, I'm still in Belfast. But my concern is that 10 years ago, when this was suggested, the local people complained and didn't want a big stadium there. They were concerned about the numbers, attendance, the noise, and everything else. Well,
1: that argument's moved on, hasn't it?
6: Well, not necessarily, but to me, if this is supposed to be a big stadium that you want to attract people from all over Northern Ireland... It would be much better to be put up into the Mayors area. Have a train line. There has been a train line between Lisburn and Antrim. And you could have a train line there that would serve this big arena that you want to have. And But, uh, but the
1: time for those type of discussions, well. Hazel, are they not well in the past? If this stadium isn't built in the next few years, Euros 2028, 20 we're going to lose it. We're not going well, to have the them. the thing
6: you're going to lose at the present time the, way, the amount of money that's going to be spent on it. And who's going to go to it? There are an awful lot of people saying I wouldn't go to it. Why not? But... Well, they don't want to go into West Belfast and an area in the middle of housing area. What? Into the bargain. Why not? But It would be... And why should the GAA... Would you not want to have, go
1: into West Belfast? Why
6: should... It, well, I don't mind going into West Belfast, but other people wouldn't. Well, well who why in their right it mind be wouldn't... The GAA w- it should be for all groups and a stadium that's available. And if they're going up into a site where there's no other problem, I think they could have it built quicker.
1: Who in their but right mind, Hazel... Would not want to go into West Belfast simply because it was West Belfast like who who gets up like that in the morning anymore
6: be, be, be truthful about what life in Belfast is like. A lot of people, even a lot of people in the country areas don't want to come to Belfast. I've lived around the, around the province and they don't want to come to, wouldn't come to Belfast. so I don't know where they think they're going to get all these thousands of people coming to attend these events
5: Brendan. Well, look. The argument, even around uh, one single-purpose stadium or one single stadium, multi-purpose uh, at the maze is gone. That's long gone. And the GAA was the last sporting organisation to walk away from it. Was fully uh, prepared to be a big part of that project. Um, yeah. But it's not. It's just. It's off the agenda. That's that's where we are. We have to deal with the situation as we are. And here's a mix of points I think is worth is worth exploring. I I think we all agree there's there's a potential economic and sporting benefit. I think there's a community relations benefit to be had out of building casement and then hosting uh, Euro uh, 2028 games, be it Northern Ireland games as they qualify one way or another or other high-profile games. Because we will have people coming into West Belfast who will never have been there before and who may have some misconception about what kind of response they're going to receive. And I'll tell you this, when they do come, they will receive a very warm react, uh, welcome and, and will leave, I think, with a better impression of, of that part of our city than they may have had before. And I think the vast, vast majority of Northern Ireland soccer fans will say, well, if it's in Casement and it's Euro 2020, if we go to Kaysen. Don't of, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any sizable number of people will say, I'm not going there." Go someone Kaysen,
1: texting that The that Nolan Show is asking this question this morning, Brendan. If the GAA are now saying they will refuse to pay a penny more than the 15 million they initially promised 10 years ago, then why should the agreement not be the GAA will get their 15 million back and not a penny more back from revenue?
5: I think Stephen, that we the longer this debate exists around who's paying what share, then the more room there is for this sort of debate and negativity around the whole thing. How is it I negativity asked, to say they they the taxpayers should get
1: all the money back rather than the GAA, who are not prepared to increase? They're not. They're not paying the, in real terms what they first offered to pay.
5: Well, I mean, let's also look at the site that we're talking about here. Was was is the GAA site? Uh, you know, Kilsan Park was built uh, in the early nineteen fifties uh, by the by the and, and GAA, by the GAA overall, uh, and by the clubs of West Belfast. So it's more than a fifteen million pounds contribution. It's the it's the site. It's the building which was there in the first place. And as, as I keep on saying, and as Jonathan said this morning, the GAA is not you know Northern Ireland. Yes, yes, there's a need for sub regional funds and money improve stadiums to be improved. But we're talking here about professional soccer clubs who are paying wages to their players. Is it not an oddity that we're that's at the same level as, as funding for an amateur sports organization which doesn't pay its players and which reinvests all of its money into its grassroots? Now I'm not saying don't fund the sub regional stadia. stadia, They need to be redeveloped. But let's 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 be aware of that distinction between semi professional and some cases professional soccer clubs and public purse and an amateur organization.
1: Sir Jeffrey is employing the same strategy, isn't he? Where Sir Jeffrey Dawson is saying, in terms of what the executive is prepared to pay, that they're sticking at the 60-odd yes. million, what was it, 67 60 uh, million? 62 three, uh, million, million yep. sorry, 62-odd uh, yep. yep. million quid that they initially offered. So he hasn't inflation-proofed it either. So that's that, in, in terms of real yep. terms, is less money than the executive initially was going to have to pay. Now, Paul's in yes. Anderson's town. Paul, you want to speak to Hazel in Belfast? Morning, Paul.
7: Good morning, Stephen. Say
1: good morning to Hazel. Morning, Hazel.
7: Good morning,
6: Good morning.
7: Hazel... You said that you used to work, or do you live in West Belfast?
6: I, I don't live in West Belfast, but I have worked in West Belfast.
7: Uh-huh. So why, why would, why would you program. not want to go into West
6: Belfast? I, I, I am not saying I wouldn't go into West Belfast. I'm saying that people have said to me they wouldn't go into Belfast. Right. And I know that country people often, and I've lived up around the province, and a lot of people have said... Are, don't like coming into Belfast. But my concern is the initial complaint was about bringing thousands of people into the area of Casement Park Mm -hmm. for the houses around them, etc. How are they going to get thousands of people? But you're wanting to defend West Belfast, I
7: live live right next to to the Casement Park site, Okay. Well how just welcoming park, Paul.
1: What you... what is the infrastructure in West Belfast? How how, how does it compete with other places uh, in Northern Ireland in, in terms of what it has to come and visit, what it feels like, what it looks like, what there is to do in it.
7: Uh Stephen, you're trying I mean, you're you're moving on here from your you're generalizing you're talking about West well, Belfast. Just
1: because just because I'm you asked about, Hazel why I'm would someone not want to come?
7: Because Stephen, if you remember, I spoke to you last week.
1: I do remember. I never forget said, you. Said to you. Yes. Here we go. If
7: this was anywhere else but West Belfast. These conversations wouldn't be happening, and there we have Hazel. Just just backing or backing up what I would said last week. It's because it's West Belfast, which
1: is why That's I'm giving a, you the opportunity to sell West, West, West Belfast. But why should I have to sell West Belfast? You don't have why, to at all. Why but, should I have to sell West, West and you Belfast? you don't have to at all. But if someone asked me, for example, where I was brought up, just above the Shankle, I would talk about how that road was a vibrant road. It was an incredible road with local shopkeepers, local community people walking into shops. You don't get this kind of, you know, vacant, uh-huh. vacuous yep, stare. Yep. You have local shopkeepers there who knew who know nearly every customer. Now that road is not what it once was, but that's the feeling there was on, on that Shankill. Road where I grew up for a long, long time.
6: It was the same us. in the Falls That's Road I mean, in the
1: past. I'm, I'm the same as you, Stephen. I mean, I've been on the Shankill
7: Road hundreds of times. Yeah. So I, I can back up with what you were saying. But West Belfast also is the same, is of course also it is. developed along the same line. Of course so it is. Along, I was just giving you the, the opportunity to point, say it. I'll say it for the you central if you want. Point, the central point at this moment in time is how important that West Belfast, for West Belfast, that Casement Park is built.
1: Well, is it that important to the GAA if they're not prepared to pay a penny more to build the stadium there?
7: Look, see, How important see, is there, it to the GAA? Going, there are always going to be negotiations. There are always going to be
1: negotiations. And I'm sure that extra funds can be... Well, Burns is out today. Stores stores. On the week, UAF has come and said, no more money. That's fine. Look, Jonathan's just come in the post.
7: Jobs just come in the post. There are, all, there are ongoing negotiations here. But I think the important money here is we have to see what the British it's government are going to divvy up.
1: Absolutely, and the British government, you know, there's a, there's a big pot of money there. There's a big reservoir. That, that
7: really my concern this money. morning. It's, it, it's, it's this dig at West Belfast from someone who doesn't live there. That's you, Hazel. No understanding of, of what West, West Belfast. Claims that she worked here at one time but doesn't, want to, doesn't really want to see this happening in, in, uh, that's in, you, in Hazel. The West Belfast
6: City. I know, I'm listening to him. I, I know West Belfast. I, I did work well there, and I've been up Colin Glen and enjoy going up there. It's not uh-huh. a problem to me, but I certainly wouldn't be going to a football match. But anyway, that's beside the point. But what I'm trying to say but is, Hazel, you're, if you're this is saying, supposed to be a stadium... You're
7: talking about residents. You're talking about residents. You don't know a single resident up in West Belfast. You know no one up in this, near this, uh, near where the stadium site is. You don't know a single person, but you're anecdotally
1: if, uh, his, hisel, telling people that, you know. his if Dolly Parton was playing in West Belfast or Tammy Wynette, would you come with me to a concert there? No. Why not? Because it's in West interested. Belfast, isn't that right? It's, yes. Yes. No, nothing, to
6: do, it's <laughs> nothing to do with West Belfast. Yes. Uh-huh. The point is, I would renovate Casement Park for them. Okay, that's a GAA. But if you want to have a big stadium that's open for every anything rugby, football, soccer, whatever build it elsewhere and have a train the DUP, line there. That would the DUP
7: people. already torpedoed the site at the Mace a number well, years ago. In
6: Northern Ireland, we make, people make decisions and they make wrong mistakes and they never say they've made a mistake. And I, To me, the mistake was made that it should have been up in the maze in a new area, open for all groups that anybody wants to use well, you, you, it. You, not... may,
8: you may speak to the, the DUP about that,
6: uh, Well, I haven't but much time for
1: them either. The commitment that, that, that Chris Eaton-Harris made. In fact, we'll, we'll get round to that in a wee sec. Look at the time. There are really obvious questions to at, at least ask this morning. And it is this. We've heard the new president of the GAA, Jarlith Burns, saying that, look, they have lots of demands on the pot of money that, that they have got. So if hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds of public money are potentially going to be spent here and you have the GAA making a coherent argument, which is, look, of the money we've got, we've got to spread that around all of these different um, parts of our network then why don't we have the actual figures so that we can understand the context of that? This is not a 50p project of taxpayers' money. This is not a little idly-piddly government grant for a couple of grand that sometimes gets bandied about. So what are the resources of the GAA? How much money do they have in the bank? And I repeat that question again. How much money are they going to have in the bank after five years, ten years, of this new biggest stadium in Northern Ireland? Can they not afford to up their contribution from 15000000 million? There'll be no more money, says their new president. Or do they not want to? Are they going to make a contribution from the extra revenue that they will get into that stadium to charities throughout Northern Ireland, to cross-community charities, to other sports in Northern Ireland. But you can't ask that question and not ask it of the IFA and the revenue they've got from their stadium built with government money or indeed rugby. So why don't we get all three sports and see all of the cash flow would that be wise, Brendan? Would that be informative?
5: Would that be illuminating? Stephen, with, uh, during your news headlines, with uh, two clicks on Google, I found the GA's uh, annual council. So it wasn't all that terribly hard. Um,
1: no, no. The money that they're going to get in from the new stadium.
5: Well, OK, but the money they get in from the new stadium, well, as with all the money that they currently get in from gate receipts and from TV sponsorship and all of that, will go back into the provision of Gaelic Games up and down the country for coaching young kids, boys and girls of all ages. But if it is... An, if It's not is, a private sector corporate organisation. It it's not, it a, is, not a professional sport. But Brendan, if it is it,
1: compared to rugby and football, if it is a disproportionate amount of revenue... If it is an eye-watering amount of revenue, should we not know that now? And by the way, if it is not, then should we not shut that that argument down now?
5: Well, you know what would shut the argument down? And I don't know those figures, Stephen. I don't know what the business case says. What would shut this argument down would be if the British government moved away from its one statement one day and, and, a, and a totally different statement the next day and quickly move to clarify what their contribution is going to be or what the commitment, their percentage commitment of the overall cost is going to be. Chris Heaton-Harris said about six months ago, don't you worry, we'll find the money. That's Some right. he said, well, we don't know what the money's going to be and what if it gets too high and we have to spend that money on something else? It's, it's time Chris Heaton-Harris really took the, the mystique and the mystery out of this issue by declaring definitively what percentage for funding or what level of funding the British government Paul, will make. It's just as the Irish government did last week. You and I spoke last Monday, and, and I thought then the Irish government was probably on the verge of making a significant amount, announcement, and it came the next day. Black and white, €50 million, Euro, was €42 million pounds. What is the British government's contribution going to be to the rebuilding of the case? Paul, of so Paul in Anderson's time.
1: do you feel discriminated against?
7: I, I outlined my concerns last week to you, Stephen. Um, the, the, the Windsor Park and Hill were built without a cough, without an issue, without a problem. No one, no one batted an eyelid. Now it's the turn of Casement Park and it's hysteria writ large. It's hysteria writ large. We're getting ridiculous. I mean, you said, I mean, you said yourself there about the numbers being bonded around. I mean, you're 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 hyping this as well. I mean, you said three hundred million pounds. Where'd you get that figure from?
1: I said it was speculated. Speculated, well, was just, speculated oh, by oh, whom? No speculated yeah. by whom, Stephen? Well, it was in the the Belfast Telegraph. Other it's people have made it, other people have made it clear are speculating two hundred million. Well, see, the only, the, the only person that I've heard speculating two hundred million is, what is Jim, Shannon. What uh, Jim Shannon, Jim Shannon has two hundred and twenty million. To the GAA is legendary, I suppose, is it? Well, why won't the GAA tell us? They won't tell us because it could be commercially sensitive. That's a that's a reasonable argument, Paul. But at the end of the day, is the public entitled to know or not?
7: Stephen, the, the public are going to know. The public are going to know after once it's, the money is finalised.
1: Right, you after. see what, see
7: what? What's more important? What's more important? But well, to people like me who want to see this, who want to see this built, the Irish government already shown us the colour of their money. Why haven't the British government? Ultimately, so, they are going. They are going to pay for this here. Everybody knows this. They are going to pay for this.
1: So you think if the GMB the commercial, the British government will blink also? Sorry, you think the British government will blink?
7: The British government will blink. The British the British government have given a public commitment that this stadium will be built,
8: and the benefits like, of if this they want stadium. To, if
7: they want to upset. Yeah. The, the order of the, the Euro competition. I don't think they want to do that.
1: Well, and the benefits, let's not forget, really important the benefits of this stadium to the wider co- community, well Absolutely. beyond West Belfast, to so the whole economy Absolutely. in Northern Ireland, for goodness sake. If you have got some of those. Massive events that maybe don't come to Northern Ireland at all. They go down to Dublin. That's they don't correct. come anywhere near here. That's we correct. don't have that capacity. If people are coming to visit the Euros in twenty twenty eight, then of course some of those people are, are going to spend a week here, two weeks here. They're going to travel around the country. They're going to maybe That's come correct. back for years to come. The um, potential it's, it's is very enormous. Also,
7: Stephen, it's very important also to grow the GAA in, in Belfast. It's very very important. That Antrim GAA have their base again here. You know that's that's the starting point here for people like me. Antrim GAA will have their own base again. You'll have the Ulster Final in Casement Park every year, which is a massive GAA event. You know the the, the world is your oyster. Do you go to
1: any of their stadium. games?
7: Sorry, do you go? I go to England at least once a, once a month to see uh, soccer.
1: And do you watch GAA in the stadium?
7: Uh, yeah, well, we're currently on to my planet of Corrigan Park.
1: I was just going to say you and I could go together. Stephen, uh, uh, you know, the invitations are you come up any time you want. You and I could sit and have a wee burger, we wee hot dog together. Any time you want. They're all reasonably priced. Oh, There's no, you'd good, be buying. Good selection. Of course, I'll get your burger, no problem. Thank you, Paul. Get you a pint. Thank you. I don't drink pints. Peach snaps <laughs> or blue cracko. Th- thank you, Paul. Thank you, Brendan. Haven't had a drink in... Eight years, seven, eight, nine, ten years. I've not had any alcohol. Certainly in, well, five years. I don't know. I haven't had a drink in years is more accurate. David in Bedfordshire. Good morning, David.
8: Good morning, David Stephen. Um, I think you have to try and take the politics out of this because this is what's happening. I, I think that all the people who it about the the area that is in West Belfast, And it, it's, it's got into a political mode. You think of the Ireland rugby team um, in Dublin. The four, uh, four provinces. You know, the people from all over the island going to that. Wouldn't that be lovely to have that at Casement Park? What would you
1: think? Well, it's not about what I think. Why do you think it would be lovely?
8: Because it'll bring the people more together and... Um, together in a community that has been deprived in the past it would be a regeneration of the area
1: no if the people are coming together is it reasonable that all of the revenue from Windsor Park uh, from Ravenhill the Kingspan and Ravenhill Rugby Windsor Park Football, Kingspan Rugby Kissman Park GAA is it reasonable that all of that money would be pulled together, all the revenue would be pulled together into a central pot and evenly distributed. Why not?
8: I I think the, the it's like anything. If something's bigger than something else, obviously you can't spread. You can't look at it that way. Why not? You know, you, well, because well, it's got to be a balance. Well, between... Because... listen, no, listen to me. It's what Raven Hill would need, and. These other. Well, that's precisely
1: what I'm asking. Look, if the spend, if the public spend on Casement Park is disproportionately greater simply because of the build cost, then should all of the money not be pulled together, the revenue at the end of it, and evenly distributed among all of the sports or an independent arm's length committee sitting down each year? And deciding where where the money goes rather than all the money that comes into rugby going to rugby, all the money that comes in uh, to football going into football, why is it so blinkered
8: i th- I honestly think it, it, it's gone back to the politics, and if you don't keep if you can keep politics out of sport then you're you're on okay.
1: a
4: but oh,
8: yeah, and I, I, no, I honestly think that really in one sense. You're not helping the cause either, because you're, right. you're 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 causing more and more trouble between people. And I, I think I am I'm not. Totally,
1: I, I, am totally not totally I am not here. I am not here, David. You're, you're to, here to stir up. Whatever. No, I'm not. I'm here, I'm here. I'm you, here to you've cover done
8: that in the past. All
1: right. Well, look. I have done that. I'm here. And, and, uh, I, I won't
8: be on to your show again. I listen to it. Okay. And the politics, and you don't like it. When somebody challenges
1: you... Oh, David, we we absolutely embrace it. And I hope you've been calling us for a long time. I hope you uh, continue to do so. But let me just be very, very clear about one thing. I I, I am not here to help any cause. I'm here to cover stories, to make sure that all different elements of it, uh, all different angles have a voice. And look... There are hundreds and hundreds of calls coming in to the BBC this morning with all type of different opinion. And what it's my job to do is to make sure that all of that different opinion, including yours, is represented. And I was going to say there that, is, you know, is it blinkered with money, with revenue coming into one specific sport? Uh, is it right to call that blinkered if all that money goes back into that specific sport? Um, or actually, is that a good way to do it? The IFA seem happy with it. Rugby seems happy with it. So maybe this is the way to go. And the British government should maybe pay up. Chris Eaton Harris guaranteed it and get on with creating this incredible potential that there is within this stadium. Patrick and Monaghan. Good morning, Patrick. Hello, Hello Patrick. Hello. Go ahead, sir. Yeah.
8: Stephen, I'm just uh, tough. there's not one word said about the people of Clonus and all the money that they are going to lose over this there's two. There's, there's a stadium in clonus, a 35,000 stadium in clonus. they're going to lose two of the semi-finals and enough to find it every year, that brings massive amounts of money into clonus. so what about the people of clonus? if Belfast's gain is going to be clonus's loss and there's not one word being spoken about it
1: well, what is the mood among the people of Clonus?
8: Well you know, I'm sure the people well, I come from Monaghan, but I don't be in Clonus too much, but I'm sure. If you're if you're a business person in clonus, would you be in good form of it? I'm i sure that the mood's not very good. If you took your took your show down to Clonus for a day or for an hour, maybe I shouldn't should. be the, the mood of the people.
1: Maybe we should. Patrick, thank you. Good Deirdre in Bally Castle. Good morning from Monaghan to Bally Castle. Good morning, Deirdre.
9: Good morning, good morning, Nolan. Listen, I woke up this morning and listened to this. What century are we living in? I'm originally from West Belfast and have moved to Ballycastle. Casement Park, get it built, get the stadium built. Who should pay for it? Bring revenue into the north. Bring money into the country and move on into the next well, the JA G- the well, the
1: through their new president Charlotte Burns made the point this morning that when you talk about that revenue, twenty percent of that revenue is going back into the British Exchequer through VAT.
9: Yes. Well, another thing then: why don't we open the shops on a Sunday morning, and then we can pay our own way? Same old discussion. Same old discussion. There's always a discussion about the money. There's always a discussion about who it's coming from, where it's coming from. It's the people that live here that need these type of things. We want it. Open it up.
1: Who should pay? Should the GAA pay more?
9: The GAA should pay what they can. Other people should pay what they can. What they
1: can is you're opening up a big envelope there. What they can pay in terms of a question, how much is in that envelope?
9: How much is in the envelope? I don't know. How much is in anybody's envelope? Are we really finding out how much is in the envelopes? We're the everyday Joe. All we want is to bring economy into this. And you have people sitting talking about they wouldn't come into West Belfast. They wouldn't come into here. I can guarantee you it must be an age group that is on that.
1: R- Rugby because stadium, by the way, don't forget what we to- told you last week. Rugby, yeah. they got their stadium built. They paid nothing. Their stadium Where cost then? sixteen million. They didn't pay a penny.
9: They didn't pay a penny. Well, then.
1: Now their stadium cost sixteen million. This stadium's going to cost hundreds of millions.
9: And why is that, uh, Stephen? I have no idea. Why it cost well, the
1: capacity of it, the requirements for Euro twenty twenty eight. The cost of building materials has gone away up, Deirdre. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. Well, why didn't any? What well, can anybody ask uh, the rugby stadium? Whoever built that, why they didn't have to pay for it then?
1: It's a good question.
9: Has anybody asked that? Well, I'd like to know that then. Why did? Why have yes. uh, the GAA to pay? What's
1: it like at Ballycastle this morning?
9: Well, it's it's very sunny and it's uh, it's,
1: it's 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 manipulative.
9: That's really what it is, because I,
1: I put on a pair of shorts today and a T-shirt because I saw the sunshine, Deirdre, and I walked out and it's freezing.
9: Well, you stick a coat over the top of you it's and freezing. keep your legs out. It's good for circulation, Stephen. And one more thing before I go. Yes. Please have a discussion on getting the shops open on a Sunday. I'm in Ballycastle and whenever I get down to Belfast, it's either on a Sunday or a Saturday and the shops don't open until 1am 1 PM. I worked at one PM. Sorry, I worked in tours for years, and in the morning of a Sunday morning, I had nowhere to bring my people to have because they were getting trains and planes, and they couldn't do any shopping. And that's old hat as well. we we're, well, we're in the seventeenth century here. Well,
1: you would be aware of the other side of that argument, which is um, rest. Which is people yeah. of religious faith, which is protecting families that their that their mums and dads don't have to work at least on a Sunday morning, Deirdre. But look, it's it's a debate we've had many times. Thank you, Peter and carrick Fergus. Morning, Peter.
10: Well, Stephen, I I just think that uh, we're talking about two two thousand twenty eight for a couple of football matches. Now it will be two or three matches. It won't be any more. You don't know that. You're gonna... At the Vaxi Theatre, would be a couple of matches. Steve. it's not. A, you think the way we're talking, it's going to be a tournament, isn't it? It's not. Well, it's, it's going really to be fun. football
1: matches. It's going to be some of the biggest singers around the world. It's going to, I don't know what other events could, well, could well, You know, the, the world's your oyster. And, and the spotlight of the world will be on the Euro 2028. 20 um, do you really want to miss that opportunity and all the opportunities that come after it?
10: Well, the thing is, you, you look at it as well, two or three hundred million, and that's okay. Once they start building, like most of our things, even in England, with stadiums, they start off at 150 million. And by the time they're finished, and they're finished about a year late, they're about three, three, fifty. And then instead of the club wanting to make money, they're ready to go under. And also, Stephen, who is going to, you're talking about paying for it. So what about the running costs when there's nothing on? About keeping it lit, security, everything else? That's going to cost money. You're going to have to have people employed. They're maybe going to be maybe there a year before everything opens. You know, and to see the thing for West Belfast team, there, there is people have issues. But, you know, you, and, and the thing to prove in a show with Sports League and Iron, you have a, I am a Crusader supporter, and you have Cliftonville. Crusaders? Yes, Crusaders, yes. You know that team this show road, But I'm trying to make a point here. I know, I know here. all about it. Clevenville comes down at about a mile and a half and there must be 50 Landovers. The security is on rail. So we're going to have all that kind of stuff.
1: Peter, thank you. Brandon and a skillet. Morning, Brian. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning.
10: Talking about talking about the weather, sunshine's beaming here in Fermanagh. Happy days,
7: Stephen. uh, Each time we talk about Casbin Park, there's always somebody comes in and almost accuses somebody like me of possibly being biased or sectarian or something like that. So I'm going to nail it here now. I went to buy a car a month ago and the price had gone up this month as opposed to last month. I'd have to up my game and put more money on the table. That's simply what the GAA should have to do. This type of investment that they will recoup all of the money, absolutely every jelly bean, will go straight to the GAA. No, I'm sorry. Just if as every jelly bean
1: want. goes straight to football from football revenue, and every jelly yeah. bean goes straight to rugby from rugby revenue. Well,
8: well, let me comment on that. As I said to you last week, I disapprove of
7: that as well. All There should be a percentage okay. of any any turnover. But could I just end Brian,
1: No, 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 no. I need to bring I in George and Guilford. Thank you, Brian. Morning to you. Morning, George.
4: Good morning, Stephen. Stephen, that moment said what was right uh, about the people crying about this stadium going to be too big. It could not be a certain size... The damage was done when, she, when the DUP stopped the thing, but what everybody knows, at the maze. But the thing is, what, many matches are going to be played here, and David Jeffrey has a bump in the paper, and he says the whole thing should be scrapped, because if is at heart to agree to things, you could have your stadium built for two or three matches, and whenever it's built, it might not pass them, and they'll turn it down and there'll not be a thing played in it. So they're entitled to uh, ground... Now, the same as Windsor Park and the same as the Rugby got, and that's it. And forget about the Euros because i intrigued matches, is why going to we be? don't
1: have the, the figures in front of us. You, oh, but sure, it's only going
4: to two or three matches and they're going to get a ground worth a fortune just because there's going to be a tournament of two matches? I
1: wonder how much revenue is going to come in, Robert and Belfast. I wonder,
8: Steve
1: good morning
7: it uh, been just an alternative location to a stadium uh, rather than Casement Park. It would be possible to build a stadium on the North foreshore adjacent to the Fort William Roundabout.
1: Why are you starting all that malarkey when it's been decided where the stadium should be built? And indeed, we're nearly running out of time to build it in time for the Euro 2028.
7: Yeah, sure, if we're running out of time, we're running out of time. You know, it may not be the right location. If we were to build a stadium on the North foreshore, we could build a hotel a steam park and a golf course uh, on there, which would give a better um, return investment.
1: So you think that would be a, a, a better location if this is a stadium for yeah. all? Yes. Thank and you, Robert. Thank you, sir. David in North Morning, David. Hello, David.
2: North, North Belfast. What? Is it me? You're t- talking to North Belfast, actually.
1: They well, route down North North down here for me, David. Sorry, that's, mm-hmm. what,
2: that's what made me stutter a wee bit. Honestly, goodness. Listen, a lot of the uh, points I was going to make because I've been waiting for half an hour yes. have been covered. But one thing I will say is, you know, looking at the the uh, the, uh, the capacity of it all, people's on there over the last couple of minutes saying about why is why why you're not getting revenue from the football and rugby because it was agreed 67 million for each board whenever their stadiums were built nobody has an issue that way give the GAA 67 million and if they want anything else they have to get the money themselves then go to America and go anywhere else to put the big and well, why bowl would out? that be fair why wouldn't that be fair? 67 million is what was given to the R2 Sports. Why is it fair on the R2 Sports The 300 million is given to the GAA? So you want the GAA, GAA to build half, cost. half
1: a stadium now?
2: Absolutely, the same as it will be in the uh, football, Six, 16,000 okay. to 18,000 capacity but why would you, know you do it because like that why, rather we'll be we doing a family case for two matches in 2020 which is probably it's all not, we'll get
1: it's not this goes but well no,
2: there, uh, can I say it is well you're talking about on one competition is, you're talking about on competition as the fellow said earlier it is not a tournament, it is one or two matches you're, you're going to get out of that whole tournament. Why
1: are you you're looking at one competition? What about the ongoing events forever that Caseman Park would facilitate?
2: Can I say, as a fair, that the, if, 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 all the other fans, if you're talking about pop, pop concerts, yes. that the GAA gets all the revenue and the other poor sports sit and get nothing? Whatever is taxpayers' money going to be paid. Well, it's why or, this,
1: this is such an active story this morning. It's a big, I'm not, I'm big story. Poli- say, I'm not getting another I'm not getting another the Thank you, so, David. But, it's um, a big story what the president, the new president of the GAA, has said this morning to Good Morning Ulster, to Mark Simpson. He has said the GAA, his recommendation, not a
4: penny more. Well, I'm going to give you a very simple answer to that question, Mark, and it's no.
1: Zero thirty thirty eighty fifty five fifty five. It's the Nolan Show from the BBC. We take the news and you talk to us about it right throughout Northern Ireland on this massive platform. Good morning, everyone. Thanks very much indeed for joining us today. We were just looking over the last couple of weeks about the huge numbers of you now who are listening on demand on BBC Sounds. So what does that mean? It means that you're not listening live; that you're choosing to go back and listen to the Nolan Show. Um, at a time of day that suits you and there are huge figures behind that so thank you very very much indeed as well as all of you that make it your appointment to listen at 9 o'clock every morning and that's fantastic and some of you have been with me my goodness from the City Beat days way way back Uh, we're going back 30 years aren't we and now here at the BBC this is the 20th year um, of the Nolan Show here on BBC Radio Ulster and it's fantastic that you're, you're with me every day at 9am. But it's also great that we've got a whole new type of audience and those are people who decide that they want to listen to The Nolan Show maybe at 9pm. Uh, maybe at 1am, whatever, as they go to bed. So thanks very much indeed. Our commitment to you is it's no holds barred coverage of the news. We break some of the biggest stories in this country and we provide a voice to any of you. No matter where you're from in our community, no matter how you're looked upon within the community, we want you to grab the news and talk about it and be powerful in your own right. And that is the winning formula for this programme. If you've got a story, nolan at bbc.co.uk. Now, the Nolan Show um, has discovered that, well, we've been told by the Department of Education, they've confirmed to this programme today that it is estimated that 1,067 additional additional special education places will be needed for September. The Education Authority separately have told us that 75 specialist classes are being planned. That's an additional uh, for September 2024. And we've been covering this story extensively on NOLA Live on BBC One. Alliance MLA Nick Matheson is with us this morning. Nick, good morning to you.
11: Good morning, Steve. Good
1: morning. And and as we start to look at those figures, and we know the parents of children with special educational needs are going up the storm today to to make a passionate plea to you all, uh, how are we going to get over a thousand additional places in place for September?
11: Well, look, I think those those figures are are deeply concerning, Stephen. I mean, I, I think you know, I mean, that that is a, a huge challenge that is now facing both the EA and the Department to address this, and that is the reason, given the scale of that challenge, why Alliance are bringing a motion today to the Assembly on this very issue of the need to invest in in, in special educational needs to invest in meaningful transformation of the service so that it actually delivers, but also to prioritise what is needed now as an urgent ac- uh, action to ensure that, that parents and children are not let down again this year with a crisis management response to SEND placements. It's, it's, it's not acceptable. But Nick, I think
1: we're a large part, and I don't think you're disagreeing with me this morning, a large part of this story is now that we have this figure of over a 1,000 places needed for September, this is the 26th of February, So is there going to be an urgent plan and accountability for those that are tasked to provide these places? Is that going to all happen now very, very soon so that as many parents as possible within this 1067 places are actually given a place in September?
11: Stephen, I would say if 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 it isn't going to happen, it needs to be. Uh, but if if the department and the EA are only starting to think about this now on the twenty sixth of February, it is far too late. Um, the, the, you know, the, we we all know uh, that these issues are not not resolved. Uh, you know, overnight, and it's not a simple matter of of just you know offering a few places out to children and and, and the job is done. We have seen how badly wrong this goes and we have seen how profoundly children and parents uh, have been let down in previous years, not least last year when we had an absolute crisis in, in the provision of special preschool places last year and we cannot see a repeat of that this year so I sincerely hope that the department and the EA are not looking at this today as, 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 as maybe needing to come up with a plan and I hope a plan is in motion we have been in regular contact with both EA and department over the last year or so around what are they going to do to to prevent this from happening again what are they going to do to meet these children's needs And I'm going to be clear, we've not had a a very clear response as to what that that involves. We've had lots of information about what a big challenge it is. We haven't had a lot of detail on what's happening to make sure it's avoided. So I hope the Minister in the Chamber today can, can give parents some, some reassurance on this because we, we, we cannot let this cohort of children down again. Well,
1: the Education Authority, they're, they are saying that they have already been looking at it. They're not just looking at it now. They've said that, uh, they've told this programme that they are planning on the basis that an additional 75 cases, classes, will need to be provided Um, they they point out that year-on-year growth and the number of kids needing this support continues to outstrip the number of places available. Again, this comes down in part to money, Nick, and how much money are they going to have?
11: It, it does um, come down uh, to, to money, but I think in this in this scenario we need to be very clear um, that children with a statement of special educational needs have their rights protected in law to an appropriate placement. Um, so this is not an option for the department, whether they deal with it or not. They have to get this right. The key is, do they get it right in a way that ensures good communication with parents that does not make this process unduly stressful for parents and ensures that the placements that are given are appropriate. So the money will have to be found this year. But the big question really beyond that is how do we actually transform these services so that they meet the needs of of the pupils who rely on them? How do we ensure that needs are identified early? How do we ensure that education and health work together? And how do we ensure that when needs are identified, the interventions go in at that point. Not years later, when a parent has fought and won the battle to get a statement and finally maybe get some help, but actually get the support in right at the point it's needed. That's the change we need to see. One
1: of the questions I would have on behalf of parents with children with special needs across Northern Ireland is how soon are they going to be told whether their child has a place or not? So the child, we knew that over a 1,000 children additional children, additional places are needed for September. You know, are, are parents going to be left until August before they're told? Are they going to be left until the summer? Or when should they be told so that they can plan for the future and fight for the future of their children?
11: This is, this is absolutely critical to this discussion, and I hope in the debate in the Assembly today that this issue is, is covered in detail. There's a phrase, a word that is used, it's not easy to say, but uh, the children with a statement of special educational needs are classed as supernumerary. That means that they do not form part of a school's uh, normal enrolment numbers. So effectively a school can fill their enrolment numbers and then the EA or the uh, whatever authority approaches that school to say we need you to take X number of additional special educational needs pupils with statements that to me feels like a really bad deal for those children. It doesn't feel like it's placing them in the school that is appropriate for them or that is right for them or where the support is good. It's about fitting them in where there's space. That is not acceptable. So I think we need, we, we, we need to really commit to, to doing away with this notion of supernumerary places and actually making sure that same children get their places early, that they're the right places, and then schools can plan on what capacity they have for other places that are that are then
1: filled. Nick, I know you have a meeting to go in too, so thanks for hanging on for us. I, I've uh, got I, to go
11: and meet those parents protesting at Stormont, so yeah. I, I want to make sure that I, I have a chance okay. to speak with them today. Thank thanks you very for much, for
1: Thank Take you, Nick. Care. Well, one of the parents Bye, that's gone up there is Emma Morgan uh, from SEN Reform NI. Good morning, Emma. Good morning, Stephen. You'll be up in Stormont with your son, Tom, this morning, saying what to those politicians?
12: Um, This afternoon we're going to be going to Stormont. Um, The motion is being debated at three o'clock, around three o'clock. So myself and a number of other parents will be going up with children as well because we're there to say that special education needs to be a priority for Stormont. Every single party has agreed that um, change needs to happen, investment needs to happen, but we need to be actionable now. There needs to be process change and we're we're going up to put faces to it as well because the decisions that people are making and the things that they're saying in Stormont have a real life impact on our children Um, and My son, like other children in Northern Ireland that have disabilities and additional support needs in school, they deserve an education the same as any other child. Uh, Just because they learn differently and have challenges does not mean that they should be excluded from an education.
1: Look at how big the challenge is going to be for this September. It's why these figures that we've managed to get are really, really important. (laughs) So the Department of Education, Emma, saying that around... 1,067 additional specialist education places will need to be found in what? Five months time? How are they going to do that? How many parents are going to be let down? How many parents are, are, are going to have their needs met?
12: This situation is going to be worse than last year. So Stephen, you're well aware and I've been speaking to you this time well not this time, you know, spring last year when this was happening. And last year they had to open 240 extra classrooms and that was an absolute nightmare for them. They approached every single principal, to my knowledge, in Northern Ireland to try and get those classrooms. So I can't understand how this is going to happen. And there needs to Within be Within six months, sorry, not be, five months, yeah, six
1: months from now this September. Needs be,
12: there needs to be transparency with it. You know, these figures are being said at this stage, but what exactly is the plan? Where are these classrooms going to go? Because at the minute, there's so many children at the minute that have statements that say they should be in a specialised nursery and they're in mainstream. And there's families here on one hour a day in a mainstream class. And there's the testimonies that we are getting sent through to send reform And by parents. It's heartbreaking, Stephen, because there's people saying that their kids are having to stay at home because they can't access the mainstream education. The children are being traumatized by going to a mainstream class that can't manage severe learning difficulty. There's children being changed in floors in school. And the environments, many of them, aren't set up for children with severe learning difficulty. So... This situation is not, it's not manageable currently. So how they're going to manage more children, I don't know. Well, what we, we need to hear, that.
1: obviously what we need to hear is we need to hear from both the Department of Education and the Education Authority what their plan is. So they're, they're, they're giving us these numbers and, and we're grateful to them that they have done so. But we, 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 we need to know what the plan is now, very much ahead of September. Catherine, you're another mum, your mum to Archie. Good morning to you. Morning, Stephen. Are you worried?
13: Yes. Um I am currently in the position uh where uh, Archie was assessed last month um, and uh by an educational psychologist. Um and um they uh had a phone call with me, and with without any doubt in their minds, Archie would need to have be in a nursery setting uh, within a special school for um, severe learning difficulties. Um, so we are we're waiting on that statement to come back and everything at the minute. Um, it fills me with dread the thought that this, you know, that the this certificate, essentially, will be coming back to us saying, you know, this is his right, this is the needs he needs fulfilled and that they will not be able to be fulfilled um, and that he will have to go to mainstream. You know, Um,
1: it's... Where will that leave your son if he does?
13: uh, He would... He is currently actually in SOLAS, in an early intervention for autism. Um, In the past six months, he has come on um, leaps and bounds and the thought of him in September 2024, having to go to a mainstream school or even worse, you know, nothing would be absolutely detrimental to his development. Uh, he would just simply not fit into mainstream. Um, he is still nonverbal um, and there is, um, you know, communication issues there and stuff, Um and he would just drown in a mainstream setting. You know, there would just be no interaction with them. Um, he struggles enough uh, in settings where there's uh, quite a lot of children as well, you know. Uh, so it's heartbreaking to imagine him going somewhere where uh, these environments, or day-to-day life we don't think about, really overwhelm him. And that would be one of those. Um, and it would just be heartbreaking.
1: If we look at the Department of Education, what they're telling the, the Nolan Show in a statement, they, they first of all say that special schools are operating at overcapacity. Mm-hmm. So the special schools are already beyond full. In other words, that's me interpreting their language. Yeah. They say the situation is challenging for September 2024. Now, when any government department uses that word challenging, it often means a lot more than challenging but that's Mm -hmm. how they're deciding to describe it so there are questions here for the new minister Paul Given given the fact that his department knows that there is a challenging situation for September 24 then you know what heads up can he give parents about what's likely to happen uh, to Mm -hmm. many of their children the Department of Education say the immediate priority is to create more capacity in special schools so, how do you do that if you've got a if you've got a building that's already over capacity? What do you do? And they say to establish more specialist provisions in mainstream schools is a is another um, option. I, I'd like to know from the minister how they are. Maybe we'll get Paul in. He's been very amenable to us. How are they creating more capacity in these schools? Where are they getting the staff from? Where are they getting the room from? Um, and then in terms of provision in mainstream schools, how does that differ when it's a mainstream school, Catherine, to a, to a specialist school? Like, what's the uh, difference well, for a child?
13: At at present, um, what he has, an uh, occupational therapist and a speech and language therapist uh, that works with him um, throughout, um, you know, through his well, education and development through, uh, through SOLAS. If he was going to mainstream, there wouldn't be those provisions in place. Um, there wouldn't, you know, the potential for mainstream as well would be he would be given a one-on-one uh, carer. Um, now, that there's the likes of, you know, uh, toileting needs and things where mainstream children are all, you know, trained by this age. Um, now, as I'm led to believe that it's really at the discretion of the carer, you know, if he's put in that position, whether they will do that. Um, I'm not in this position yet, but, you know, I have heard stories of uh, parents having to go to schools to change them, you know, go out of their day because people have been refusing to do it. Um, I just know that when I leave him in Solas, um, all his needs are cared for, are, are cared for.
1: Well, look, we know that lots of parents are going up to Stormont today. We'll promise you that we'll stay across the story. Emma and Catherine, thank you very much indeed for uh, talking to me uh, this morning. Mervyn on this in Ballymena. Morning, Mervyn.
0: Good morning, Stephen.
1: Morning. Go ahead.
0: I'm coming at this from a different angle, Stephen. My question is, why are there so many kids being born with special needs? Every year we're hearing... 10%, 10% etc. Increase in special needs kids. Is it not possible for somebody in the medical profession to sit down and look at what is going on and well, try and find a common denominator to stop this increase in you, birth of special needs you're kids? You're
1: asking a good question as to what's going on. It could be, and I don't know. It could be that they're getting better at testing and they're getting better at statementing children and therefore they're capturing more children. It could be that it's the same amount of kids that, that have been around all the time, but they're just getting more efficient at as diagnosing it. Or it could be there is an increase. And I think you're right, Mervyn. Um, we need to look into that uh, and we now need to have a greater understanding of what's just going on. You're right.
0: Well, I just, you know, I agree with what you just said there. There's probably more awareness now than ever, like everything else. But somewhere along the line, somebody should be able to sit down and say, look, there's a problem with medication the mother has got before birth or whatever, whatever, and this should be yeah. able to be addressed. And then the issue you're talking about today wouldn't exist.
1: Well, there's, there's a real live issue with children who are, um, already diagnosed, already statemented and uh, there's not enough capacity for them.
0: I'm just trying to stop that issue arising. I'm saying if it, it can be stop addressed, it. Uh, why, why the increase? It's massive. It's been going on for years. I've been asking this question for a long time. I also have a lot of other people involved and nobody seems to address the problem.
1: Okay, Mervyn, thank you. Good morning uh, to you. Next up, unions. Representing healthcare workers in Northern Ireland are to ballot their members on a pay deal. Uh, Health Minister Robin Swan welcomed uh, the news uh, that there is a proposed settlement that would see pay parity with England. It includes an uplift of 5%, one off payment of 1,500 odd quid, Um, and speed from unison. Is this a good deal for the workers?
14: Good morning, Stephen. Well, um, it's certainly a big step forward. We've had uh, 15 months of industrial action and actually health staff or many of our members are still on action short of strike. So yes, it's money in the pocket. Certainly achieved pay parity with England on the pay band and then an equal share out of a significant amount of money in a lump sum to um, 64,000 staff in the health service. So it's a yeah. bit of a relief that we'll be able to put some money back into heard, workers' pockets and back into the economy.
1: I heard the question on the radio this morning when, when you were asked, are you recommending this? And some of the union leaders were beating about the bush or whatever the hell the term is. Do you, would you, rec- what is the term?
14: Recommend, what? and yes, unions will, with 29,000 members in the health service, we will recommend to accept this offer. Now I will put in a caveat that Here we, we are still number three on the pay league table, Stephen. And we. Well, why are you
1: recommending accepting it then? Yes. Yes. Why?
14: Uh, because one, it achieves the pay parity uplift with England, and okay. number two, it gives a significant lump sum. It's outstanding since last April, so let's get that money out of the bank account and into workers' pockets. A new pay round is starting in April uh, 24 anyway, and we still will be returning pa- to the bargaining table to make more
1: improvements. Patrick Mulholland, you're from another union, and with Unison, you're with NPSA. Are you recommending that your members accept this offer?
7: Well, if I can just say what our process is towards uh, taking the decision, Stephen, we will receive a written offer today from the employer. We haven't received that yet. When we receive that written offer, we will then put that to our health service committee and the committee represents the branches. So it will take a decision on whether to recommend, not to recommend or alternatively take a neutral position. Um, from our point of view, I think what's on the table is a step forward. There's no question about that or what we understand to be on the table. What are you is a recommending? Is, is, but, is it, well, do you but, think but, it should be accepted? But, but can I just? finish my point Stephen, there are a couple of loose ends that need tied up from a NPSA point of view. One is around the question of mileage, very important issue particularly for lower paid workers, the like of home care workers etc. Those people need a proper mileage rate that isn't drawing money out of them instead of the employer covering their way and the other issue then is safe staffing. Mm -hmm. There's a real, well I don't need to tell you Stephen, you've been the champion of this, there's a real issue around safe staffing in the health service and we want to see concrete steps taken in the right direction to ensure the safe staffing right. issues dealt with. And so what, where I would like to be on Steve, th- th- Stephen is by Thursday when our meeting takes place, I would like to be in the position where we can strongly recommend I mean, to our members that a real step forward has been taken.
1: Patrick mentioned mileage there, Anne, and it's one of those subjects that the Nolan Show has been dealing with for years. And the reason we've been dealing with it for years is because your members contact us with this, what they describe as ludicrous situation where it's their cars, their you know the cost of insurance alone in Northern Ireland, their cars, the wear and tear of cars, and the mileage that the department is paying isn't going anywhere near the cost of, of, of keeping those cars on the road.
14: Well, I'm glad to say that uh, we agree with uh, our NIPSA colleagues that mileage has to be addressed. But there is a separate channel for discussion on this. And so far I don't uh, we have you know a significant amount of money offered. It was offered last week. So discussions are continuing on the mileage issue. Are they close? And I think we will get a well, a bit more to push forward on, but I believe we will get a deal. Okay. And on safe staffing there is legislation now being prepared that arises from the last dispute. That will certainly set a legal framework. And again we agree with our Nipsa colleagues there are safe staffing practices which need to be reviewed. So I suppose the only point of difference at, between us at the moment is we believe that these channels for further negotiation are still open. Our Few ways, let's get that money on pay into the workers' pockets, keep fighting on the other issues. Right. And there is an offer on mileage.
1: And thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you as well. Morning you, to you Steve. both. We'll stay across those stories. Uh, let's come back to our top story, Caseman Park. Derek and Balamone, you're the last call of the day. We can give you one minute. Shoot, sir.
0: All right, Stephen. I was thinking that could be a sort of a dragon's den scenario where. Government could put in the money and, and the GAA could accept it, but every period of maybe five, ten years, the GAA chasing park where their profits could pay the government back and then the, the, the GAA would own the whole thing fully.
1: Well, at present, the GAA wouldn't pay the British government anything back and they would continue to get all the profits.
0: And then why, why should the government bother getting the any money at all if they're not going to <laughs> were meet the Because half, of the eh?
1: greater good that comes from sport, the greater good that comes from within a, a community because of a stadium like that. It's called investment. It's called government investment in society and a community. What else is your taxes for?
0: Ah, well, it's basically what you're saying. Invest and The GAA can invest in the future to all the
1: profits? We only know the profits, uh, the significance of it, when we know how much the profit is likely to be. And I continue to ask that question of all three sports. How much are they getting, each of those sports, in revenue? from the likes of television deals, from the likes of ticket sales. If Caseman Park wipes the floor with the likes of the Odyssey in the centre of town in terms of the facility, the majority of which would be built with government money, um, how much profit will that yield? But can you put a value on the positives of building a stadium like that in the heart of West Belfast? I hope we've covered at least some of those questions today. We'll see you all tomorrow for more Nolan at Nine. Have a good Monday thanks for your company. The biggest show in the country.
7: Listen again on BBC Sounds. Tweet at Stephen Nolan.